Chapter 80 of the Ontario Reader's Third Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Neeraja Nagarajan. King Richard and Saladin. Saladin led the way to a splendid pavilion where was everything that royal luxury could devise. Devox, who was in attendance, then removed the long riding cloak which Richard wore, and he stood before Saladin in the close dress which showed to advantage the strength and symmetry of his person, while it bore a strong contrast to the flowing robes which disguised the thin frame of the eastern monarch. It was Richard's two-handed sword that chiefly attracted the attention of the Saracen. A broad straight blade, the seemingly unwieldy length of which extended well nigh from the shoulder to the heel of the wearer. Had I not, said Saladin, seen this brand flaming in the front of battle, like that of Azrael, I had scarce believed that human arm could wield it. Might I request to see the Malachric strike one blow with it in peace and in pure trial of strength? Willingly, noble Saladin, answered Richard, and looking around for something whereon to exercise his strength, he saw a steel mace held by one of the attendants, the handle being of the same metal and about an inch and a half in diameter. This he placed on a block of wood. The glittering broadsword, wielded by both his hands, rose aloft to the king's left shoulder, circled round his head, descended with the sway of some terrific engine, and the bar of iron rolled on the ground in two pieces, as a woodman would sever a sapling with a hedging bill. By the head of the prophet a most wonderful blow, said the soldan, critically and accurately examining the iron bar, which had been cut asunder and the blade of the sword was so well tempered as to exhibit not the least token of having suffered by the feat it had performed. He then took the king's hand, and looking on the size and muscular strength which it exhibited, laughed as he placed it beside his own, so lank and thin, so inferior in drawn and sinew. Eh, look well, said Devox in English. It will be long ere your long jackanapes fingers do such a feat with your fine gilded reaping-hook there. Silence, Devox, said Richard. By our lady, he understands or guesses thy meaning. Be not so broad, I pray thee. The soldan, indeed, presently said, Something I would fain attempt, though wherefore should the weak show their inferiority in presence of the strong? Yet each land hath its own exercises and this may be new to the malachric. So saying, he took from the floor a cushion of silk and down, and placed it upright on one end. Can thy weapon, my brother, sever that cushion? He said to King Richard. No, surely, replied the king. No sword on earth, were it the Excalibur of King Arthur, can cut that which opposes no steady resistance to the blow. Mark, then, said Saladin, and tucking up the sleeve of his gown, showed his arm, thin indeed and spare, 
but which constant exercise had hardened into a mass consisting of naught but bone, brawn, and sinew. He unsheathed his scimitar, a curved and narrow blade, which glittered not like the swords of the Franks, but was, on the contrary, of a dull blue colour, marked with ten millions of meandering lines, which showed how anxiously the metal had been welded by the armourer. Wielding this weapon, apparently so inefficient when compared to that of Richard, the soldan stood resting his weight upon his left foot, which was slightly advanced. He balanced himself a little as if to steady his aim, then, stepping at once forward, drew the scimitar across the cushion, applying the edge so dexterously and with so little apparent effort that the cushion seemed rather to fall asunder than to be divided by violence. It is a juggler's trick, said Devox, darting forward and snatching up the portion of the cushion which had been cut off, as if to assure himself of the reality of the feat. There is grammar I in this. The soldan seemed to comprehend him, for he undid the sort of veil which he had hitherto worn, laid it double along the edge of his sabre, extended the weapon edgeways in the air, and drawing it suddenly through the veil, although it hung on the blade entirely loose, severed that also into two parts, which floated to different sides of the tent, equally displaying the extreme temper and sharpness of the weapon and the exquisite dexterity of him who used it. Now, in good faith, my brother, said Richard, thou art even matchless at the trick of the sword, and right perilous were it to meet thee. Still, however, I put some faith in a downright English blow, and what we cannot do by slight, we eke out by strength. Nevertheless, in truth, thou art as expert in inflicting wounds as my sage Hakim in curing them. I trust I shall see the learned leech. I have much to thank him for, and had brought some small present. As he spoke, Saladin exchanged his turban for a tartar cap. He had no sooner done so than Devox opened at once his extended mouth and his large round eyes and Richard gazed with scarce less astonishment, while the soldan spoke in a grave and altered voice. The sick man, says the poet, while he is yet infirm, knoweth the physician by his step, but when he is recovered, he knoweth not even his face when he looks upon him. A miracle! A miracle! exclaimed Richard. Of Mahon's working, doubtless, said Thomas de Vox. That I should lose my learned Hakim, said Richard, merely by absence of his cap and robe, and that I should find him again in my royal brother Saladin. Such is oft the fashion of the world, answered the soldan. The tattered robe makes not always the dervish. Scott, the talisman. End of chapter 80